Welcome to the most overrated, underappreciated, most viewed, underviewed podcast of all time. Welcome to the Prince of Fresh Air. This is your host, the most charismatic man in entertainment. And I got a special guest. Nice dude. He's doing his own work. He's an author and filmmaker, and he's the owner and founder of Two Tony Productions, where he worked with musicians and actors and directors. He does his own thing. And he's out there and he's hustling. And he also wrote his own book of poetry called Just a Boy Blaming Himself. Please welcome and it's an honor to have him, Daniel Hess. How you doing, man? Good, man. It's an honor to be here. So thank you very much. Like like, like we was talking before uh, before we started recording, uh, mm-hmm. we both live an American broke dream, especially during the pandemic. So uh-huh. uh, any words to the people? How, how, do you, uh, how do you get through during this pandemic? I mean, it's, you know, it's just about moving and grooving as best you can, you know? Uh, I mean, luckily, since the pandemic has kind of moved forward, work has started to pick up a little bit more. Uh, but I mean, at first, you know, back in March, April, that was some scary stuff. Uh, you know, I saw my whole calendar of, you know, mainly a lot of event work that I had coming up in the last year, just go away within like three weeks time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it was the smartest thing. I mean, cause I know a lot of people, you know, around my area that are, there's a lot of artists and, uh, it really saved a lot of people from, I don't know what you would have had to, you would have been on the streets. Like, I don't know, like, you know, try, try to sell some body parts and stuff. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> it, it helped out in a big way for sure. Yeah, man, this pandemic, you know, I've had plenty of people, on this podcast and, you know, personally too, a lot of, uh, you know, actors and uh, people in the industry and entrepreneurs. And one of the things I always, we, we talk about is how the pandemic ruined a lot of people's, you know, careers. I, I wouldn't say ruined, but it put a pause to a lot of mm-hmm. people's careers. Now people second guessing things. And yeah, for me, you know, the entertainment industry just shut down and now it's, you know, I, I'm still grateful. I have agents and stuff that look work for me, but it's not the same. I mean, I, I went from maybe three auditions a week to maybe once every other week. And it's not even the, the stuff that we want. It's like voiceovers, which again, I'm grateful for, but it's, it's brutal. It's brutal, especially mm-hmm. for, you know, people who are in the creative side of things, me and you and so many people, um, what, what, what keeps you motivated, right? Because, you know, when we talk about this pandemic, it's one of those things where you're in now. And a lot of people are either hanging by a thread or or finding or need ways to cope, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What keeps you going? What keeps your spark, um, you know, firing? Uh, I mean, for me personally, it's just, you know, film and writing. It's just, that's me. Like, <laughs> that's that's my whole thing, you know? Like, I just, I love it. I have such a deep respect for it. And, you know, I could get kicked down, pushed away, you know, pulled away from it as many times as possible. But it's just, you know, it's the it's the best worst relationship ever because you get you constantly get, you know, told no in a lot of these things that you're trying to do. But no matter what, you just end up coming back to it. And right. uh, through through hell and high water, it's like one of those things that just I love it you know, and, you know, it's just that spark that's always just been inside. So it's just, it's hard to like kind of explain to people because it's just such a deep passion. But I mean, that's really been my motivating thing throughout all of it, you know, as it's just, 
film and writing are just my things. Like I just enjoy them. I enjoy watching. I enjoy reading and I enjoy creating like too much to, to kind of really ever give up in my mind. What do you think about the whole Gina Carano thing? Do you think she deserved to get fired and, you know, cancel culture? I would, yeah, I was going to say, I, th- I think that's kind of the, the problem that exists right now is that we are in a time of severe cancel culture where, you know, as soon as something kind of comes out, we have a knee jerk reaction to things um, that's never really been as prevalent as it has right now. So, you know, on one hand, I understand, you know, wanting to take quick action and sort of getting ahead, especially from a, you know, corporate perspective, you know, it's a, it's a whole PR thing, right? You, you want to be like, okay, we're ahead of this, you know, we already took care of it. Don't hate us. You know, this just comes to this person. But on the other hand, you know, it, it creates this issue of just, you're, you're letting too many people who have kind of to- more toxic opinions kind of judge today, which can be a problem. You know, I, I think a lot of times, you know, what we're missing nowadays is, and I always say it is just, there's not really a lot of discourse that goes on between people. Instead, it's just two sides that just sort of want to yell and whoever's going to yell louder at the end of the day is who you're going to hear from. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it stinks because, you know, I, I wish like everybody could just talk, you know, I always like, I don't care like politics and all that stuff when it comes down to people, like I'm, I'm good to like, just talk to people. But you know, when you start crossing that line, when you're just trying to like yell and, and say your point is better is, is when it's just, it's not talking anymore. So that's what I would like. I wish the, the cancel culture could sort of you know, ease up a little bit. And I wish we could have just more like of a discourse of a conversation about things. Uh, Because, you know, extremes are never good one way or the other. You know, I'm, I consider like, I'm more into like Buddhism and things like that. So I always try to look at things like, you, you know, you do the middle path in life, not too much, not too little. So when I see that we're on these constant swings of extremes, one side or the other, it's always kind of bothersome. Because, you know, I just wish we could just chat about it, you know, and then make an informed decision based off of that rather than just saying, okay, you said something I, a lot of people don't exactly agree with. You got to go. We're done with it. You know, cause that's just not helping anything at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of impact here and it, it, it's one of those things. So, you know, for me, I, I think I made have came a little hard on her, right. You know, but for me, where I was coming from was I was coming from the perspective of Jews, you know, the, the people who spoke about it and was very offended by it. Now, mm-hmm. for me, I'm not going to get into my whole thing because I already spoke about it too much. But I say this, you have the right to say whatever you want. And I stand with her. I think it is an issue with cancel culture. And we're going to I, w- I want to explore that a little more. Um, mm-hmm. You have the right to say whatever you want. Right. But you also don't have there's no freedom of consequences, right? Especially in the entertainment industry. So for me, I just quit it like this, right? If I say something offensive on this podcast mm-hmm. and my agent hears it, they have the right to say, you know, it's been a great relationship, but we can't have someone representing those kind of views. Is it wrong? Yes. But they also have a business to run. You know, this is an mm-hmm. image you have to maintain, especially in Hollywood. So you can be going off you know, saying conspiracy theories or saying offensive things. And I think, you know, I I don't agree that she got fired. 
but understand why she got fired because this is a business, right? You know, Netflix, Disney, Lucasfilms, uh, they all have uh, represent, they have images to maintain. So you can't have, you know, co-stars and leads saying things like this because now it reflects their bottom line and it reflects their business. So it's either they keep them on and face the backlash and face losing subscribers and, and dollars or the easiest solution it was nice working with you, but <laughs> you're going to have yeah. to exit stage left. Um, but one of the things you said, cancel culture, I absolutely can't stand it, right? <laughs> and I, I, I absolutely can't stand it. And now what's happening, I was just reading, they're trying to cancel Henry Cavill because, you know, the guy who plays uh, play Superman, mm-hmm. they're trying to cancel him because he dated her 10 years ago. I don't know how people found that out, but they did. <laughs> And they're trying to cancel him over it. So they, they're trying to get him fired from any future uh, DC films. They wanted him replaced as Superman. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, I mean, what, what are we doing here, right? Like, I know. It's, 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 it's tough. And, and, you know, going back to your point about, like, the, the corporate, the brands and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. Like, they, they totally have to maintain their own image. And, you know, they, they have it's all about investments. I mean, we're, you know, the industry is, is arts based, but it's still uh, a corporate industry about making money. So, you know, if you're a brand that knows that by holding on to this person, you're going to lose a million dollars in revenue over the next year, like you can't have that because, you know, as time has gone on, these, these return on investments have only become tighter and tighter for these big budget projects, you know? So I totally get that. But yeah, going back to the ca- the cancel culture, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, come on, like somebody dating somebody, you know, 10 years ago when you have no prior knowledge of like any of these things unfolding is just, you know, it gets crazy. And, and you know, you can do that. What is it? What is it? Eight degrees of separation or whatever. I mean, you can play right. that game with anybody. <laughs> so it's right. like, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, I mean, you could cancel just about anyone, you know, like you look at like the, the whole like, Weinstein thing and it's just like you could look at all the people that were buddy buddy with that guy before all that stuff came out and it's like you could have a field day with that you know it's just yeah. like all that stuff it, it, it just for me it doesn't make any sense and for don't get me wrong there are times where it does work right Hartley, mm-hmm. uh, Hartley Sawyer he he was uh, from the flash um, and he said some crazy things on Twitter I mean crazy rape jokes uh, black jokes. This dude was just, and I understand, you know, mm-hmm. for him when he when he came out and spoke about it, it was seven years ago, right? But it's like, <laughs> come on, man! Like, yeah, exactly. I push the boundaries, right? I make sure when I say things, I don't put it on social media because once mm-hmm. you put it on social media, it doesn't go away, right? So for me. I don't support him losing his livelihood, you know, losing the opportunity to provide for his family. But you can't go on platforms and make rape jokes. You, you can't exactly. make sexual harassment jokes. Like, But on the flip side of that, I think what's happening is while there are some good things that do come from it, it has completely taken a different turn. I mean, people getting canceled for... You know, look at Kevin Hart. This man lost the the opportunity of a lifetime to to host the Oscars. Over, he's a comedian. I mean, a joke he said eleven years ago, 
It's mm-hmm. like, come on, it wasn't like he was slandering anybody. He he made a joke on Twitter, and he had to go on a whole apology tour. And still, I mean, I don't understand why he apologized and then still turned down the 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 opportunity to host the Oscars. But it's bad. I mean, it's terrible mm-hmm. what's happening. Um, and this ties into, for me, hate speech. Right? I, I talk about hate speech all the time. Do you think hate speech is a thing? Hate well, I think um, I think there's so much like that's what I'm saying with the whole thing like earlier about just these people on both sides of the spectrum with stuff. I think there's so much like nasty things that just get said about especially different races like here in America, and the fact that like it, you know it's, it blows my mind. I'll tell people I'll be like you know, it's just, this is like, we're 2021. Like we should be so far removed from like all of these old, ridiculous, like things that people just feel it's okay to say, you know, I, I grew up and, you know, still am in a, in a pretty small sort of blue collar conservative type of community. Trump support it now. Like, I mean, you'd be shocked at like the, the things that people still kind of say and like the attitudes that still get held by people. It's astounding to me. It's astounding to me that it exists like anywhere, you know, but, but to see it kind of in my own backyard sometimes really blows my mind. Um, and I wish it would just go away. I wish people would let these things go and, and stop being so negative, especially towards other cultures and stuff. Right. I mean, look at what's look at what's happening right now with like uh you know all the the attacks on like Asian Americans just because of the whole like you know because the coronavirus is seen as the Chinese virus you know and all this ridiculousness it's like come on guys you know that's that's not what this is and you don't need to do that but yeah. you know it, it existed even after nine eleven with the attacks on people of Muslim faith and Muslim religion you know it's just these ridiculous kind of uh stereotypes get pushed and then people just act out because of it and it's just crazy that like that kind of thing still goes on now do you think with all that said do you think the Mm -hmm. media news all the big broadcast networks uh, movies tv shows social media do you think media plays a big part in that narrative I think it does. And I think a huge issue that I've started to see more is just what happens with online behavior. And when people like, let's say you are a Trump supporter, right? And you're on Google and all you're ever doing all day is searching for probably Trump supporter stuff. I don't know what that entails, but (laughs) you know, what happens is you, you start, it's the algorithm, right? It starts saying, okay, this is what this person likes. So then it keeps feeding you that and it keeps feeding you that, and there's no break from it. So I think the issue is that people get into these rabbit holes, especially online, and they're just catered further into that mentality. So let's say one day you randomly look up like a more conservative leaning article on something. Then next thing you know, you're probably going to have 10, 12, 15 of those type of articles that are being spoon fed to you. And then, yeah, like next thing you know, this person might go into this weird paranoid conspiracy theory driven state, you know, I mean, and, and then you end up like never believing anything like oh it's a democrat said that so i won't believe that or oh you know this is a liberal Mm -hmm. viewpoint so screw that 
Um, so I think part of it is media, but I think the, the harder thing is really like the way that these online platforms sort of cater to people depending on what they're searching for. So I think there's something that kind of needs to be maybe done there that can help not create these issues because otherwise you will, you'll get stuck in the same kind of repetitive pattern because of just the way a computer algorithm works and determines what you like. Right. Oh man. I I just did a video with Jubilee. Uh, it's not out yet, um, mm -hmm. but I just did a video with them and I talked about the fact that media plays a big part of what we see, right? The, the narratives that they play, the games that they play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I always say this people, we as people need to learn how to do our own research to um, to find out the truths, right? But I also understand that people who grow up in certain areas are put in a spot where all they know is what they see on TV, right? And I always yeah. say this, like people who grew up in like the, the hills of Texas, right? Who's never seen a black person before. They see the news, they go on social media, they, they go on Twitter and they see all of this where, you know, black people are always robbing the convenience store, always gangbanging, you know, Muslims are blowing up buildings, um, you know, white people are the white collar crimes, you know, money laundering, um, you know, Latinos are, are drug cartel members and slinging dope everywhere. Mm -hmm. This is the stuff that they keep portraying. And this is not, this is not even just about the movies. All the movies do play a big part. I'm not even taking away from that. But on the news, right, when you see a young black man gunned down, what well, is the first thing they say? Oh, well, you know, he had a prior conviction of stealing a T-shirt from a store. It's like, what are we, what are we doing here? It, it mm -hmm. doesn't help the fact that our media controls the narrative, right? And they play games. One of the things I noticed, too, is since the pandemic, this is a time of healing. You know, people stuck at home. People have time to spend. People have more time to spend uh, time with their families, their kids, their wife, their parents. People have more time to focus on themselves, right? How in the hell do we hate each other more during a global crisis than we did before a global crisis? I I, and you know why? It's because, especially with the election, everything was either your left or your right. You're a yeah. Democrat or a Republican. So if you like Trump, if you had any, you know, good thing to say about Trump, even if he wasn't a Trump supporter, you were a terrorist, you were a white supremacist. If you were a Democrat, you're all about the people. You stand for Black Lives Matter. You're for the people. I hate that narrative. And it's not even just about the politics. I think we're we doing a huge disservice when we say stuff like that where, oh, well, you know, you a Trump supporter? Oh, you like touching? You like touching women without the consent? I, that mm -hmm. not? Oh my god! I hate this political agenda that they're playing, and it and all it all it does is create more divide with people, right? I hate the fact that the moment you even say I'm a Trump supporter, but the pitchforks is out, people taking AK 47s at you, they're chasing you down the street. And God forbid, if you go on any major platform, you know, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, uh, you already know you're getting banned. So it's, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah, and to your point, so I have three quick points to that. One is, uh, so I'm single, so I'm always on dating apps, and I could not tell you how many 
dating app profiles of women start with no Trump supporters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then two is about two years ago, I actually went, uh, me and my sister went to China for two, a couple weeks. And because uh, that's where her, her boyfriend is actually over there. And so we stayed with his family. And one of the first things, you know, this is going back to your media point. One of the first things they had asked me was like, you know, you're from America and everything. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, all you do, right? You just, you have guns and you kill each other, right? Like they legitimately asked me that because yeah. over there, that's, that's the media feed that they get. It's just anytime anybody's killing each other over here, they get those kind of stories in their, you know, media because the government wants, doesn't want people to think that democracy and, and all that is okay. You know, they're pushing their agenda. So I had to sit down and kind of explain to him like, yeah, we do have guns. Guns are legal in America, but, and there is violence, but you know, it's not like this free for all, you know, uh, all the of duty war zone. <laughs> exactly. It's not, it's not that it's not like people are just gunning each other down like willy nilly. So it was fascinating to sort of see that, uh, that perspective in play and everything. Um, so yeah, so I'd really had to kind of sit down with them and explain that. And then the third kind of quick point about media is just, you know, being from Baltimore, the first thing that people always think of is the one big piece of media we had come out of Baltimore, which is the wire. And so every time anybody talks to me, that's not from the area, that's like the first thing they get. They're like, is it like the wire? And I'm just like, no, that's like West Baltimore, which is a, a section of Baltimore that like you, you have to go out of your way to sort of go to West Baltimore and yes, it is the projects and there is a lot of issues that are terrible. Uh, I've done like documentary pieces about schools out there and it's insane like how, how badly it's kind of been pushed to the side when compared to the rest of Baltimore. Uh, but that's not the, the image, that, you know, I grew up in the suburbs and I sort of have to explain that like Baltimore is, is a small city, but it's, it's beyond what the wire kind of portrays. Like there's a lot of good areas and where I grew up was not in the city. So, you know, that's not what the whole of Maryland is either. So it's just fascinating that like, because of that one big sort of piece of media portrayal of the area, that's sort of the first thing people think of and go to when they, when I bring that up to them. Yeah. Oh, it, media plays a big part in our lives. I mean, basically our phones, everything, our TVs, is all connected one way mm -hmm. and the media controls the narrative of anything. I mean, look what happened with the black lives matter protests, right? This is not the first time, mm -hmm. you know, police killed innocent people, especially black people, but look at the narrative they try to spin. And then, but the key part about it is once the election ended, right? I mean, maybe I'm conspiracy theorist when I say this, maybe, but isn't it, isn't it weird? Right, the election was based on white supremacy, Black Lives Matter, and that two hundred and fifty thousand people that died. Right, and then ever since Joe Biden won, again, let me let me clarify. I'm not a Trump supporter. Right, I'm just a guy who observes everything. Mm -hmm. I'm not a Democrat, Republican. I'm just a guy who sees what's going on. But like I said, right, the election is based on white supremacy, um, Black Lives Matter, and COVID. After the election ended, isn't it ironic? They don't talk about Black Lives Matter no more. They don't talk about the 250,000 people that died. They don't talk about white supremacy no more. How, mm -hmm. I mean, did all of this just magically dis disappear when Trump lost? Again, I mean, 
we have to look at what is happening. There's a reason why people associate Fox with Republican and CNN as Democrat because they push a narrative. That's mm -hmm. I just advocate people to stop being so close-minded. If you're a Republican, that's fine. If you're a Democrat, that's fine. But go outside of your comfort zone. And I think the biggest issue is people don't like to be challenged, right? If people are oh, yeah. so convicted about something, they won't change their mind and they don't want something to come out and impede on their, you know, on their thought or their opinion. So mm -hmm. CNN isn't going to change who they are because they know there's people out there who will wholeheartedly follow whatever they're, they're sharing. So it's Fox and other media companies. And that is the problem exactly. we're having is very biased journalism. I mean, I, at this point, I don't even know if it's journalism. I think it, it's just all we want a narrative. We want to shift how people think. So we're going to continue pouring this out and feeding it into people's minds until we get them. And I mean, maybe again, maybe I'm conspiracy theorist, just maybe, right? I'm not gung-ho on this theory. But when you see what's happening, just take a step back and look. It's right in front of your face. I mean, from the Capitol Hill conspiracy to, it, it just all doesn't make any sense. But again, I think because it's too much thinking involved, it's too much things that you have to bounce around and look at. I think a lot of people get overwhelmed. So they usually just pick a side and they stay there until something mm -hmm. really changes their mind. So I think the media is a big problem, but I think us people, we have the power. We have the power to say, stop the bot, the biased journalism, stop with the, the politics and give us our information. I don't want to keep hearing about, you know, if this 250,000 people dead, why this source is telling me it's only 10,000. Why, why is one source telling me COVID is a conspiracy theory and one is saying it's a real life pandemic threat? I, I, what are we doing here, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's my thing is like, what is the goal? What are we doing? How are you working for the people and not giving the people what we want, right? But again, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist. No, I don't, I don't think you're being a conspiracy theorist at all. I think, uh, you know, the way I try to look at it and the way I think more people should look at it is just, you know, don't stop at one, right? Don't stop at one article. Don't stop at one news thing. You know, take the time to, like, look into it. You know, I, I remember I had a friend very early on with the, the virus, or I mean, the um, when they were giving the vaccine, right? And one of the big prevalent thing was, like, early on was saying that, you know, if you're a woman and you got it, you could be infertile for the rest of your life. And this person was like, yeah, I saw this thing. And I think that's, that's what it is. And then I quickly pulled out my phone. Cause I was curious. And I was like, I Googled it and I looked up a couple articles and then it was like, you know, th this is false information. It's just kind of been misspread. It really doesn't, you know, all this stuff. And then I, I said to him like, Hey, I just looked it up and you know, I don't think that's the case or whatever. And he was like, oh, okay, good. You know, I was really paranoid about it. Um, but that's how quickly, like, A, misinformation spreads. And then, you know, the other side of it is just, I think a lot of people don't want to be wrong. Yep. So, you know, once they kind of get that thought in their head, and then even if they're sort of challenged about it, like, you know, nobody wants to feel dumb. But, you know, that's the only way that you learn, right? Is like, sometimes you do, like, 
I'm going to be wrong about something. You're going to be wrong about something. We're all I'm not going to be wrong, wrong about something. <laughs> Never, <laughs> ever, ever. But that's just how it works. Like there's going to be something that like we're going to say that's going to be a little like off. And then, you know, somebody else might come to us and say, hey, you know, I read about this and that really wasn't the case or whatever. But we have to be open to that. And that's the issue is that a lot of people don't want to be open to being wrong. I'm always just like, I'm, I'm probably wrong you know way more than i'd like to say i am but that's good because that's how i learn because you know it it those are the things that stick with you because you remember like oh yeah that i messed up on that or something and that's not a bad thing at all like i said that's how you learn right i mean that that's the key part is that people are afraid to be wrong and that mm-hmm. goes from people to people who run these media companies. People don't want to be wrong. That's why there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of false information getting passed around because it's much more easier to keep telling a lie than go back and say, ooh, I messed up. We have to do a retraction, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of these media companies, they say something wrong. It's hard for them to apologize because now they got to backtrack at everything that they said. They don't want to do that. That's more work. That's more overtime. Yep. They don't want to do that. They they want to just keep pushing the train along. So I think that is the biggest issue. Uh, I, I want to turn around to um, yeah. turn back to hate speech, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about hate speech. I understand people say hurtful things and, you know, people are trolls. I know I troll people a lot just because people sometimes annoy me and I like to get under their skin. <laughs> But I think the issue with hate speech is the fact that people want more government legislation and more big tech involvement, right? Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. Do we need government? Yes. But how do people say we want less government interference in everything but this? We want more. What happens is if we allow Facebook, Instagram, the government to pass more laws to suppress our freedoms, then we're not free anymore. Right. We won't have freedom of speech. You can't say I have freedom of speech, but we have all these limits on what we can what we can't cross. We have all these boundaries we can't cross. That's not a freedom then at this point, because if if it's punishable by getting banned off of social media platforms, you can go to jail. Is is it really free at that point? It's not. And I, I stand. That's why I said for me, maybe I did come off on Gina Carano a little hard, but I was coming at her from a point of. I understand why people were upset about what she said. Yeah. But hate speech, I hate the term because it's not a real thing. Because hate speech is not a, a law, it's not in our constitution. Hate speech is a way for people to express that they feel offended by that. And I say this, if that is, if we're going to go by that standard, then we all go into jail because we've mm-hmm. all offended somebody in our point of our lives. Jordan Peterson once said, in order to think, you have to risk being offensive. When we're talking, right, we're talking about controversial issues. We risk saying something that might offend one another or somebody else. Yeah, That is human nature. We, we, we're not machines. We can't sit there and really think about everything we're going to say and say it. I mean, that's just not what happens. Emotion gets in a way, cloud of judgment gets in a way. I think the term hate speech is... I don't even think hate speech is a thing. Now, don't get me wrong. Is the KKK people I want to live with? Probably not. And I don't support their rhetoric. But yeah. as long as as long as they're not calling to you know start killing people, they're not trying to cause harm to people, 
say whatever you want. Now, mm -hmm. if someone wants to take action, who am I to stop them, right? But I think we have the right to say whatever we want. You're not free from the consequences, but you are allowed to say whatever you want. So maybe I'm wrong. Do you, do you disagree or agree? Feel free. No, I mean, I think, you know, everybody has their mindsets. Everyone comes from different backgrounds. And I, like I said, my, my kind of thing is just, I just want that respect kind of to return. You know, I think if you're just going on this huge, like hate filled, like rant at somebody that's just intentionally meant to sort of yeah. drum up violence or something like that, of course, that's completely different from just having a, a conversation where people have differing views. And even when those people who have a conversation who have differing views might get a little upset and irate with each other. I think there's, as long as you keep a fundamental like respect for that other person, like that's okay. But you know, there are those lines where it's just, you can tell that someone's doing this because they want to incite an action. Right. right. You know, like, like when people go to like a protest and they're on the other side of the fence trying to, you know, start something, you know, that's the stuff that I hate to see because it's just, you know, it's like we all like let let people have their protests, let people have their thing. You might not agree with it, but, you know, let it let it do its thing, because that's what our nation is built on, is that we can all have these differing opinions and we can all coexist together. Right. But, you know, when when you're intentionally trying to go after someone else violently or anything like that. Yeah, that's when it's like you got to draw the line. Right. And uh a quick like quick tangent on things but you know with the the facebook and all that stuff i think it's you know as you saw before the election they were just outright like blocking a lot of people from posting things that were just considered like misinformation and all that stuff and for me my my whole thing that i thought was very sad with the situation was i've never gone on facebook and said man, this is a really reliable media source <laughs> for journalism. Right. I've never seen a friend's post and said, man, I really believe that as a hundred percent fact, I'm not going to cross check that with anything. <laughs> and it's just sad that it's sort of become that way for a lot of people. Right. And it, it's sad that like Facebook had to become this big regulatory system and they still kind of do. But, you know, that's the thing is we should all know as a collective, that's like, it's social media. If I want journalism, I'm going to go to a journalist website or, you know, like a USA Today or a CNN or even a Fox, you know, those are the places I might go for my journalism, not Facebook. You know, if you want to spread something about like, you know, maybe a celebrity just passed away or, you know, just news articles and stuff, sure thing. But yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy how it's like sort of become that kind of a platform. Uh, and it's a little fascinating that, you know, that they've had to kind of take that stance on just outright blocking things too, because I, I see where that's an issue for people that might be a little more conservative. I mean, I think you're kind of adding fuel to the fire when you really start just outright keeping those people silent, because I right. think that's when you start doing that, that's when backlash starts to happen from one side or the other. Uh, and I think you've seen that with the last couple election cycles. I mean, in 2016, you know, when Trump got into office, it's like that's when, you know, all the conservative people who are all up in a fervor from feeling like they were not heard during Obama's time, you know, all came out and, and voted. And everybody like myself included in 2016 kind of felt so jaded by everything that was happening politically that a lot of people just didn't go out to vote. 
and you know you can get into the conspiracy of the whole like russian part of it and and that was interesting i was actually doing a lot of interviews in dc at that time for a russian news station and they were very strangely fascinated with talking to people about how they thought trump would win it was very strange but (laughs) that that on the side I think that's, and then in this year, in 2020, you know, you saw the opposite, where it was just everybody more on the liberal side who felt underrepresented by everything that's going on really came out in droves to the polls, and it was great. A lot more people voted, and, you know, Biden ended up taking the election. So I think that's what, I'm worried that that's what you're going to keep seeing in the next, like, election cycle. You're going to see then all these people who then feel misrepresented again come out, and you're just going to keep flip-flopping back and forth, so... It'll be interesting, but yeah, I think there's definitely some major issues when instead of just letting social media be social media, which at the nature of it is just meant to be a place where anybody can kind of put anything out there and really trafficking and controlling those things, I think those can create some like definite issues and dividing people even further than you already have. Right. Now, let me let me ask you real quick. Mm-hmm. Are you a conservative or are you a Democrat? So I'm a, I'm a Democrat. I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm a liberal Boo. guy no, with everything. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm registered Democrat. So I, I'm curious, you know, since we on a, since we talk about Trump a little bit, mm-hmm. again, I'm just a guy who, who notices things. I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not, a, I'm nobody. I'm just a guy who just like to see the world for what it is. Yeah, man, you Do can you... speak your mind with me. Don't feel like you have to preface it. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's for other people, you know, because I've been no, called a Trump supporter plenty of times just because I, I agree with some things he say. But mm-hmm. do you agree with the narrative that Trump supporters are all racist and homophobic and, you know, hate, you know, minorities and, and stuff like that? No, I mean, look, like, I, I will say Trump, like, I'm a, I'm a business guy. You know, I have my own LLC, right? When Trump came in, he did the tax cuts, which helped me, you know, with my business because it, it took a lot away from taxes for, for his terms and everything. So, you know, there, there are some things that like were done that I don't disagree with whatsoever. Um, and I don't think that everybody out there, you know, is, is just a racist, like super conservative person. I mean, Look, even in the party, I mean, you have people like Mitt Romney, who's just, you know, he's more of a liberal, like Republican, right? You know, I, that's that's there, that exists. It's just, you know, that's not the thing that's, from a news perspective, that's not the thing that's going to push people to watch your news station. If you're just reporting like, hey, some Republican, you know, today volunteered at like a soup kitchen, you know, that's, who cares about that? You want to hear about the, the crazy Republican who's like, going out and buying all the ammunition and you know getting ready to like go go gangbusters on everything you know just because trump lost the election and stuff like that i mean it's just what gets like presented out there more so yeah i think you know on both sides there's like there's and then on like the democrat side i've met some very like radicalized democrats you could say that like believe in, you know, want full on socialism and things like that. Like, so I think on both sides, you have these extremes, but there's like this, you know, very easily forgotten about middle ground that sort of exists between both parties that I think just don't get presented because again, it's just, that's the boring stuff, you know? Right. And I, and again, this, this goes back to, and I asked you that, cause I was just, I was just curious because I've seen time and time again, Right. You know, Trump always talks about 
the the fake news media, right? Mm-hmm. And it really got me thinking. It made me really think about it because I remember growing up, right? I, I grew up as a Democrat. <clears throat> and I was always taught that Democrat is the way Republicans are all, you know, white supremacist and racist. That, that the stuff I grew up with. And yeah. then I started meeting people who were conservative or Republican. And I'm not saying everybody's perfect. I mean, there's Democrats who are far just crazy, like you said. There's Republicans who's far crazy. But one of the narratives I started seeing, and I see, you know, Ben Shapiro talks about it, Stephen Crowder talks about it, Candace Owens, you know, the, the people that we all know. I started realizing the treatment they were getting, right? Stephen Crowder, his YouTube gets millions of views, but they mm-hmm. demonetize the channel even after the, the false information that was reported to him and he took them to court. He won, they still didn't give him monetization. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the, the racist thing they say to Candace Owens. Now, this is a black woman, right? But, you know, for, for a community, and I say the left, I'm not talking about Repo- I'm just saying the left, uh, the far left. You know, they talk about, you know, love and, and, and you know, respecting one another. And this is the games with media, right? They, they, they tell you the Republicans are the racist and stuff, right? But you see how the far left treats people who don't think like that, right? They, they don't have the same ideas that they have. So they attack them. You know, they, they make uh, racist jokes uh, or racist commentary. They say slanderous things. But this the standard isn't matched, and which is why I'm going to bring back Gina Carano is why I understand what she was saying. Because being a conservative, you're automatically deemed the enemy, right? And I know mm-hmm. this a lot of uh, conservative uh, celebrities, but they're not that much outspoken. Now, it started coming out because of the election, so, you know, some of them did speak out. But you see what's happening where the moment you're a Republican or identify as a Trump supporter, I mean, you had, they have to get you, right? They have to put you in prison. You're automatically a bad person. And it's sad to see the state where, where we're in. Ice Cube, right? He came out um, and he wanted to create a platinum plan for, mm. for Black America. And just because he talked to Trump, he was, uh, he's not black no more. Uh, he's racist. Uh, he's not for the people. He's a sellout. Why? I mean, yeah. why are we this upset about one person? I've never seen, obviously, we all know Hitler, right? That's besides the point. But I've never seen the media attack one person, let alone a white guy like this. Even Harvey Weinstein didn't get slandered like this, right? I just, again, I'm not saying Trump is this great dude that deserves to be on every magazine, but I'm starting to see the, the games that media is playing, the, the narratives that they're trying to portray, right? You, one person, you know, Gina Carano is being slandered for something she said, but her co-star said worse things and mm-hmm. he's not in trouble. And that's because, you know, he's a Democrat. So... I see the games that's being played and I just want people, I'm not telling you to change your political parties and ideas. I'm just telling people be open-minded, read other news sources. You don't have to be biased. You don't have to follow only one narrative because what happens is you get so used to that narrative that when someone challenges it, you don't believe it. 
right? If someone always hammers in your head, the sky's green, but it is blue, you will never back off of it because you're convinced it has to be green. It has to be. I mean, there's no other way, even though the evidence points that it's blue, right? And I think that's the issue as people. And it's even worse. Again, it's a pandemic and we hate each other more than before the pandemic. I don't understand it, but I think the media plays a big part in it. But again, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist on that end. No, I, I mean, I think that like a big part of it, you know, if, if you do want to sort of go down a certain rabbit hole with things, it's just, you know, it's another way to sort of keep us all on separate lines, keep us divided, mm -hmm. you know, and that's whole, my whole thing is just like, I, you know, I don't care where somebody comes from, where somebody lands on the political spectrum, all that stuff. If what they're trying to do is, is something that's good of intention, that's pure, that's meant to try to help people, bring people together and, uh, you know, against whatever, like religion, race, all that stuff. If you're just trying to purely create good, like I could care less where you're coming from. That's just what I want for the world. And so, you know, it is, it's, I think the media does create a lot of divisions between us. And I hate that because, you know, I think we're all equal people. We're all amazing people capable of amazing things. But I think, you know, we do, we get caught up in this, this the kind of silly minutia of, of these things that sort of keep us from interacting with one another. Even, you know, if you see someone that's like it's got the Trump hat or like waving the Trump flag or whatever, you're automatically going to just form all these opinions, form all these thoughts and everything. But why not just go, you know, why not just go up to that person and try to like talk with them as another human? Cause that's what it is. Like at the end of the day, we're all just human beings and we're all just people. We, we have differing beliefs and all that stuff, but that doesn't mean that we can't interact with one each with one another and be civil with one another. And that's always been the most frustrating thing for me in my life, because it's like, you know, I, I don't care. Like, I'll talk to anybody who wants to talk about stuff, no matter what. And I just think we all kind of need to, to do that with one another, because that's the only way like things get solved, problems get squashed, you know, that's, it's just what we need to do is just just talk, <laughs> you know, right. and, and not have all these divisions. Because <laughs> like I said, we're just we're just people we're, you know, we're not all these differences sort of get created because of the, the societal part of it, mm -hmm. you know? And if we sort of break that all down, you know, you take that all away, we're, we're all just kind of after the same thing. We're just trying to live, have a good life, you know, live beautifully and, and call it a day, you know? Yeah. You know what the problem is? And it's something you said is that we're divided. The problem is they don't want us to unify. Why? Because when people start noticing the games that they're playing, the government is playing, then it becomes harder to continue playing the game. So of course, they're gonna keep set, gonna keep separating us, right? We all we all unified for Black Lives Matter, right? Everybody around the world was standing with George Floyd and and wanted police to take accountability, right? And then mm -hmm. what happened? They shifted to white supremacy. Then they shifted to COVID. Mm -hmm. they're doing this on purpose to keep us distracted from the bigger things that's happening right first police were were the, the criminals of the world right 
then Trump became the, the criminal of the world, then Trump supporters became criminals of the world, then all white people became uh, criminals of the world. It's like every time we get it, we, we hit an issue, we try to resolve it, and then it hit us with something else, and then it hit us mm-hmm. with something else. And you've seen the, just the ba- baseline of everything is the media controls everything, everything, right? Let's say hypothetically, hypothetically, me and you get shot by the cops today, right? Now, George, we're still on the heels of George Floyd. They're not going to tell people that you were killed, right? I could have I been robbing a convenience store, right? And pointed a gun at the cop, they shot me. You could have been walking down the street and got shot, right? Yeah. They won't tell your story. No, no, no. They're going to tell mine. And then they're going to make the cops look like the bad person because it's the narrative they want to portray. The cops are evil. But you know what the, the, the greatest thing about it is, is? They don't care because they're getting paid. It's all mm-hmm. money. It's all power. They don't care about the people getting killed. They don't care about Trump. They don't care about anything. Why? Because they know as long as they have the ratings and they got the money, Nothing's going to change. And that's all they're looking for is for people to, to continue coming back for more. It's all ratings. Because if people did tell the truth, you, you think we would have this, this much division? Absolutely not. If everybody, if every social media company, every media company treated everything with respect and equality, we wouldn't be, I mean, this always going to be divide, but it wouldn't be nearly this bad. And how a year in a pandemic when we're trying to find a solution to it, we have so like we have so many social justice issues that we we're facing. It's ridiculous. And don't get me wrong, it's time that we addressed it. But the problem is we're not addressing enough, and the media isn't doing a great job in trying to address it. They just keep hammering, hammering, hammering at people to get people riled up. Then the result is people burning down buildings, people are frustrated. You know, the murder rate is going up through the roof. I mean, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist. I, I'm not always right. I'm not trying to be the, the guy who knows everything, right? I would never tell a doctor how to do the job because I'm, I didn't go to medical school. Mm-hmm. But I see what's happening. I see the narrative they're trying to play. You know, hate speech. Oh, you know, they, they're passing laws throughout all the the. the protests and stuff going on that people don't know about and I talk about all the time there's things happening they're keeping us distracted they're keeping us uh, divided right and they're passing laws that people don't even know about and then when the dust clears everything goes back to normal and then people suffer from what happened right just Mm -hmm. an example so during the George Floyd protests right in California people were crazy people you know, flooding the streets, right? Not doing all of this. The cameras are out, you know, people are recording. People are like, yeah, we're standing for George Floyd, Black Lives Matter. Police has to stop, right? Now, during the looting and stuff going on, California passed Penal Code 621, which mm-hmm. was any major gatherings, uh, this includes protests and riots, any major gatherings of more than five people is a federal crime. Or I want to say federal, just a crime. Any stolen property is a crime. Any uh, any movement of federal property is a crime. Mm-hmm. These are all punishable up to one to three years in jail, and anywhere from five to twenty thousand dollars in fines. 
People didn't know about this, right? So you mm-hmm. out there protesting, cops are letting people steal. Again, they're going to let you do it because they, they can't stop you, right? I mean, this is the, the narrative that you want to show people. Police are bad. Stop killing black people, right? I'm all for it. But when you pass laws like this, and don't tell nobody, right? They're doing it under the table while the media is focused on one thing. They come back. Now people get locked up for things that they did seven months ago, right? The, the mm-hmm. FBI is hunting them all down. This is the games that they're playing. It's like, again, like, again, I could be a conspiracy theorist, right? I could be. But when you look at what's happening, when you see the games that they're playing, it's all connected, right? This People talk about the Illuminati and a big brother. I'm not going to get into all of that. But <laughs> big brother is a thing. Our mm-hmm. government, Trump wasn't supposed to win in 2016, but the government wanted him to win. Trump wasn't, Trump was, in my opinion, I think he was supposed to win this year, right? But they mm-hmm. saw the direction that things were happening, so they gave it to Joe Biden. Again, I could be wrong, but when you look at the numbers, when you look at what's been happening, I could be wrong, but I'm also right. Trump wasn't supposed to win in 2016. You could probably agree with that. How did he win? How did he yeah. win? Because the government want him to win. The government wants things to happen. They will make it happen because they run this country. So I'm not going to get into all the conspiracy theories because <laughs> I don't want to sound like this dude losing uh, his marbles here. But uh, let's bring it back. Um, yeah. Do you think we should have more government interference and freedom of speech or uh, you know, stuff like that. Do you think there should be more censorship in that aspect? See, I think that what we need is just, I mean, we just need further like checks and balances in the government. That's just not there. Unfortunately, I think, you know, when you have these huge sort of companies, these huge sort of like overseeing bodies and things like that, the problem is, is just, we're all, again, going back to just all being people. And because we're all people, we are also all flawed. So whoever you're going to have in these different positions, they have flaws that they're bringing with them in these positions. So if you have the wrong sort of people that are overseeing a lot of different things, then you're going to have a lot of issues because, because these people aren't the best candidates for these things. And unfortunately, as we've seen throughout history, I mean, throughout history, is that certain personality types cannot have power because these are the people that just create horrible. I mean, you look at like Rome with some of those emperors that sought over Rome, horrible atrocities. Mm -hmm. But then you also had emperors that were really good to the people. So it just really comes down to like the person. And unfortunately, it's really hard to, to maintain and to check and balance at each individual level what a person is like. Because no matter what, like, there's just, there might be something in the brain that we haven't mapped out or that we haven't figured out, but just some people can be totally normal. And then you give them a lot of like power and things just go crazy, you know? So that's to me the bigger issue is just like that we, we haven't really figured that out yet. It's like, how do we determine like, okay, this person probably shouldn't be in any kind of like high up positions because if they are, you know, this is the the sort of bad things that we're going to have. Um, so it's just this interesting thing where it's just, it all comes down in my mind to like, 
who those people are that are they're seeing things and what their agenda is and what kind of malice that they sort of have because they're in these positions. So it's this like strange cycle that just kind of like keeps repeating itself and right. then keeps happening because you just can't prevent that. And it's sad, but it's kind of the truth, honestly. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's, it's it, At the end of the day for me, I, I can go on a tangent about all of this. I think we as people have to do a better job with ourselves, right? And I say mm-hmm. that because we live in a society right now where everything's offensive, right? I mean, comedians are getting uh, canceled for jokes. I, I mean, if this is the, the time that we're coming to, I mean, what can I do? But comedy has always been offensive, right? You know, people cross lines, people make jokes. Yeah. And you see comedians are losing work because of jokes, right? Now, I understand some of them probably mean what they say, but mm-hmm. it's comedy. It's, it's meant to offend people. If people want to make black jokes, get ahead. If people want to make fat jokes, get ahead. But I, I'm not trying to be too negative on people, but we live in a very, I'm oppressed. I feel offended by something you said, society. Everybody feels offended by something. And I think that is the issue. How how are we going to solve it with more government? We we can't say we want less government, but want more government in certain aspects. Because if that's the case, once you invite the government to impede on your rights, then they're going to keep doing it, right? You mm-hmm. know, people, the offenses, people is like, you know, we don't want more government interference with face masks. Then they turn around and say, we need government to make laws about the face mask. It's like, which one do you want? Do you want mm-hmm. the freedom to wear the mask whenever you want? Or do you want the government to force you? And if you don't cooperate, you get a fine of $10,000 and possible jail time. I think the issue for me is where do we draw the line? How much government do we actually want? We can't say we want it in some aspects and not in others. The government don't work like that. If you give somebody a box of pizza and say only eat one slice and they're starving, they're going to take, they're going to eat as much as they can. And mm-hmm. I think that's the issue. If, why have more government? If people want to say whatever they want, go ahead. Now, like I said, people aren't free from consequences. So if you want to call people out in their name and be very offensive, then if someone wants to punch you in your face, I'm not going to stop them. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think saying, Oh, you know, Facebook has to do more. The government has to pass laws. We're setting us up for failure. We're we're set. It's not going to be a a freedom of speech no more. It's it's not because if it's free, then there shouldn't be restrictions. Now, obviously, there's already restrictions, right? You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. You can't call to violence. But if now we're saying you can't say this type of language or you, you have to think, about what you say by using this kind of language, we're setting each other up for failure, right? Because eventually at some point, we all be doing a 30-day stint in jail for offending somebody. So I don't know. I, it's I mean, too much to think of. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever, do you ever watch, have you ever watched Black Mirror? I haven't, no, I haven't. Uh, there's, there's a great episode of Black Mirror where it's like a future world where, everyone is just literally rated on social media 
So it's like, it, even if you say something that's just like the least bit like weird to somebody else, they can like downrate you. So the whole episode revolves around this woman who's just like, she just goes crazy in a day, not like crazy, crazy, but just gets fed up with the whole system. Because it's like, if you say something even the slightly bit offensive to someone, they can downvote you. And then by being downvoted, like you're restricted from living in certain housing because you have to have a certain like user rating and all this stuff. And it's just like, it's this very interesting perspective because there's, there's a, there's a side world where that actually happens. And that's a scary world because yeah, you don't at that point, you really don't have any freedom of speech because like you can't say anything negative to anyone ever. And you always have to be your like best version of yourself or else you'll get voted down on this like universal app that everyone has. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because in, in one way, yeah, it's like you're saying people want the regulation because they don't want to have misinformation getting spread. But then in doing that, you're creating more oversight into something that doesn't need or shouldn't have more oversight because the, the whole goal of social media in the first place was just to be an open market for opinions and open market for ideas. And, you know, at first it, it did do a lot of good. I mean, you had like the, the democratic like uprising, I think was at Egypt at one, all those years ago that sort of happened because of people rallying through Facebook and, you know, there's some great, like good, uh, things that can come out of it, good change that can come out of it. But it, it's all about how you use it. And right. I think that's the issue is just like, you know, we're not using it in the correct way. We've used it in this way that sort of is a neutered version of what it can be. You know, we're all posting pictures of bread we just made and things like that, which is like, it's fun on occasion, but you know, we can, I mean, we, we can use it as a much more powerful thing than, than what it's sort of being utilized for. And uh, it's interesting that on top of that, we also want to regulate it more too. So yeah, we are kind of doing a bigger disservice to ourselves in that way. Oh, checks and balances. Like you said, checks and balance. We have to have balance mm-hmm. and everything, you know? And uh, I think there's some Dano said, yeah, it's all about balance. So um, I'm being a fool when I said that, but <laughs> um but you know, I think I think we talked about controversy enough. So you know, for me, I would just say to people, just be open minded, and be willing mm-hmm. to have a conversation and challenge yourself because we're not doing each other disservice when you automatically dismiss somebody because of their political views or their religion review uh, views or their perspectives and ideas. I think. In hindsight, I, I really kind of more understand why Gina said what she did, right? Because, oh, she said what she said. Because we do live in a society where the moment you're, people identify you with something, you get persecuted by the public and people come after each other. No, I, I just say live and let live, right? Why keep hounding somebody you don't like if you don't like them? You know, if you don't want to support somebody, unsubscribe unfollow them leave Mm -hmm. them alone and you know just go about yourself so um but i I think we had enough of the the controversial (laughs) stuff so uh, let's get into the no this is good though this is this is good this is good (laughs) (laughs) um so like i was saying you're a filmmaker uh Mm -hmm. an author and you wrote a poetry book um just a boy blaming himself Uh, how did you come up with that idea what made you get into poetry 
Well, poetry has become a, a sort of a platform for me since I was really young. Uh, when I was about 10 years old, I lost my best friend and cousin, uh, who was only 14 at the time, to cystic fibrosis. And being 10 and sort of seeing someone that you grew up with, like not there anymore, was a huge loss. And so it really got me started with sort of writing and sort of getting my feelings out. Um, and that sort of just started becoming poetry. And as I got, you know, more in school, of course, you learn more about poetry and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, once I saw what it could be, you know, once I saw poets who were writing things that were just about life experiences and stuff like that, it really started sort of inspiring me to kind of write out what I was going through in my life. And, you know, after going through two really rough sort of relationships, that were trying to be long-term and, and sort of became very tumultuous. Uh, there's just a lot of just isolation and, and sort of all these feelings that were sort of in, deep inside that I was just trying to get out. So, you know, around age 24, 23, 24. So I, you know, I, of course I have my smartphone and I have like a notepad app. So as I would get hit with inspiration, I would just start writing on this notepad app. And next thing you know, I was just sharing some of these poems with people and they were like, you know, these are good. Like you, you should maybe think about doing something with them. It took me all this time, about five or six years of just writing and collecting. And then once the, you know, the pandemic happened and everything, I sat down with myself and said, you know, let's compile this and maybe think about doing a book. And I found the right resources through Fiverr of all places to help me sort of uh, proof through everything and, and get everything formatted correctly for a book. And, you know, come January of this year, I, I went on Amazon, did the research and uh, self-published. And it's been a, quite a journey. Before we get right back into the action, thank you for tuning in to another charismatic episode. And if you're also interested in sending in voice messages or donating, you can also do that as well. I would love to use the proceeds to go to a local food bank or a warmer house. And, um, you know, I can take up to, you know, $10,000. You know, I'm not going to complain. But, yeah, thank you for tuning to another episode. Let me know your thoughts and opinions, what I can improve or something that you enjoy. And let's get right back to the action, shall we? So it's been an interesting journey, like one that I never really expected to take. And it's fascinating to sort of be living through it right now. That's what I'm talking about, man. I and that's one of the things when um I, that drawn me to have you on was because I used to write poetry a lot. I mean, I used to write it every day. I've actually entered I, when I was in uh, middle school. I entered a poetry competition. Um, awesome. I think I lost, but it was it's one of those hey, things. Hey, their loss. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I I see what you thank you. I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's one of those things, and I remember the feedback. I remember everything, but I remember um, I wrote a. I can't remember what the name of it was. I think it was about some girl I used to had a crush on, mm-hmm. and I remember I, I gave it to her, and I remember the reaction she she gave me. It's something like it's art, right? You know, people don't think about poetry that much, right? Mm-hmm. But it's art, and it comes from the heart, and I think that's why so many people flock to you, is because when you are able to pour your emotions into art, people 
understand it. People translate. That's why music is probably one of the most, uh, is if not the most popular form of entertainment, because mm-hmm. people allow people allow themselves to be vulnerable. You know, pour their heart out and pour their emotions into it, and people can relate to that. And I, I love poetry. I think it's underrated. I know my 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 younger brother. He does poetry now too on Instagram, and oh, cool. People love it. You know, people people understand people can relate and people are passionate about stuff like that. And I, I commend you on doing that because, you know, it, a lot of people don't do it as much. I think we we've lost that art form. I think people have gotten used to Twitter fingers, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I, to be honest, ever since I graduated college, I probably touched pen to paper. I mean, maybe twice. So I think, even even though you did some of it on your phone, but I think to have that drive to create art like that, I commend you for that. Um, well, I appreciate that, man. And you know, I was scared like putting it out there because I don't, I didn't hold back on a lot of things. So, you know, thinking about the the cancel culture type things, I mean, there are some poems in there where I was like, man, I, I really hope people don't get offended by some of these things because this is just, if for me, it was just unfiltered as could be you know when i would write these poems it was like in that moment that's that's what they were for me so you know some of them it's just like it might be offensive to some people because it's just those were the emotions that i was expressing like right then and there without giving any hesitation to any of them so yeah so there was like a lot of a little bit of nervousness there because i was like man hope i don't get like some some real nasty like <laughs> responses from people because some of these are a little just like maybe too unfiltered <laughs> i mean i i feel you but you know it's coming from you right you're being authentic you're letting yourself out so even you know my advice to you is don't don't let people I, I, there's always going to be people that don't like anything right mm-hmm. everybody don't like everything um but if it's true to who you are then the people that that matter are the ones that connect to it, right? I'm not dismissing anybody, but as long as people enjoy your work, that, that that's all that's all you got to worry about, right? You know, mm-hmm. as long as you have people who are, who felt touched, who felt recognized, who felt connected to your work, your work is done, right? You you completed your task. As long as you touch one person, that's good enough for me, at least. You know, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's how that's I always what I say. <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, uh, let's talk about you know uh, before before we wrap this up, mm-hmm. your your production company, Two Tony Production. How did you get into that, and how's that success been? So yeah, so uh, when I was in you know college in my undergrad, you know I was in the the film program at Towson University, and uh, boo, I... no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know I needed. You know, I was like, okay, you know, we were making, I had a couple friends and we were making short films and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I was just like, I should put together something like some kind of name to identify with. So, you know, Two Tony Productions is named after the the cousin that I talked about earlier. His name was Tony. So I wanted to be for someone because I knew a lot of people in college that were like, whatever their name was, that was like their production company name. And I was just like, I don't want that. You know, I don't want to be Dan Hess films or something. So I named it for Tony. Um, And, 
you know, I got out of college and God, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, don't we I, all? <laughs> I, yeah. I just, I fell out into the world and I was lucky that, you know, I had a contact with someone who was doing corporate video pretty successfully. So I got in with them and was doing a lot of freelance with them. And, uh, I fell into to wedding videography was sort of the big thing that made me successful for a while. Right. Um, and I fell into that purely through accident on Craigslist of all places. I had a, <laughs> a photographer who was looking to get into video and he was like, do you want to do the video side for me? And I said, sure. And uh, I saw the, the success he was having and I sort of branched out, went out on my own. And uh, I mean, at my peak, it was me and about, three or four other crews of people that were all going out and filming weddings on any given weekend. So it was popping pretty good for a while. Um, but you know, I got burned out really quick. They're long days, they're hard days. Right. You know, you're, you're up on your feet for eight to 10 hours at least. And so finally in 28, late 2018, I told myself like, I got into this because I love creating and that's what I got to pivot back to. And so I slowed down on the weddings as my own company. And now I don't even do weddings as my own company anymore. I only freelance with one or two people that do weddings. Um, and I solely do the creative stuff now, you know, and it's been tough. I mean, cause you know, as anyone knows in the creative field is the creative stuff is the one that usually pays the least. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of freelance work that I do on the side, you know, for a few different companies that keep me going, but for two Tony productions, the name of the game is creativity. And, uh, last year I wrote my first feature film script, which I'm working on the pitching process now to try to get producers involved. And hopefully that'll happen within the next few months. And by the end of the year, maybe spring of next year, I'll be able to shoot my first feature film and, uh, see where that can sort of progress. But that that's what it's turned into for me is, you know, it was just a company to sort of to get me into a good financial situation. And now it's just, I got to pour out that creativity because, you know, I told myself like, I want to just push into that until, till I'm gone, you know, because right. for me, that's a life well spent and a life well lived. That's amazing, man. I, 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 I'll hook you up with a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. So uh, perfect perfect <laughs> hey no, man, man that's the way it happens <laughs> <laughs> oh you tell me yeah um, yeah man that, that, that's cool i i had a, a guest on too who was his, was in the same position as you mm. when he started the, something um as like a one-off even for me i started this as a i wasn't thinking about the future i wasn't thinking about what it was going to turn out to be and then you see how it, it starts translating and you start seeing the impact as it has um mm -hmm. so i commend you on that man especially naming it after the cousin uh, i because you know that's something you will always be emotionally invested in um so i exactly. commend you on that man it's it's a hell of a journey and it's tough you know that's one of the things i always I always talk to my roommate about is this journey is hard especially mm -hmm. when you get to the creative journey the creative business it is hard to maintain the discipline. It's hard to maintain the focus and it's hard to stay in it because it's not that financially rewarding. It's not something for, for a while. And for some people long uh, for a long time, even though you have fun with it, you don't 
you can't make a living off of it. And that's mm-hmm. even for me something I'm noticing. Well, I've noticed this uh, two years ago, you know, after I graduated college was I was having fun just doing a couple projects, you know, for free, you know, just have an opportunity. Right. And then mm-hmm. you start realizing, all right, uh, I got bills to pay. Yeah. I got to start making money. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it, it's a, it's a tough road, man. It's tough because you want to be creative, but you also have a business. And you know, for me, I'm a brand, I'm a business. I treat myself like that. And I, you treat your, your business like a business. So at some point it becomes hard to, to really focus on creativity and, and make money. But at least for you, you found the success to be able to do both where you don't have to worry about other things besides your business. Yeah. And it's, and it's all about like cultivating things. You know, the, the few people that, that help me and, and allow me to pay my bills and then also be creative are people that, you know, I met by chance where I met because I knew someone who knew someone who knew someone, like you said, <laughs> and, and you know, these are the people now that are, that are literally, I don't have to do like, I, I'm in a very good position right now because, you know, honestly for two Tony productions, it's all whatever I want to put into it creatively, but I don't have to go out and hunt for the work because I have these three different companies that I work with and they'll just, hit me up. They'll be like, Hey, are you free this day to film? And I'll say, yeah. And then I got a gig or, you know, Hey, can you help me out with this? There you go. I got a gig, you know, but that took what, like eight years of cultivation to get to that point. Um, and that's, that's the part of it is that like, no matter where you are or like what you're doing in your life, like whenever you have opportunities to like meet people to network people, you know, take it because you never know what's going to come of that. You know, the guy, the guy that hires me now for like weddings and stuff, I literally hired him one time. And then after that, he realized like I could do like filming stuff. And then he started hiring me. And now that's all it is. Like I'm always working for him and stuff, but that just came out of this one random chance where I was looking for a videographer. He was free. I hired him. And then we got the chat. And after that, and now we're like, we've been working together for like four years and it's a great dynamic where again, he'll just be like, Hey, this day just came up. Are you free? Mark it down on your calendar if you are, and I'll have you out on it. So, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Oh, hey, like you said, network, network, network. That is the most important thing right there is Mm -hmm. you're not going to get anywhere by yourself. Yeah, everybody needs help. I don't care how how much self-confidence you have. And I'm one of those people, I have amazing self-confidence. Like, I've been doing this for a while now. I'm still a young dude, so I have plenty of time, but I've been doing it so long that my confidence never changed. But I noticed as the my career is advanced, you need those opportunities. And you know, just for just for the record, I'm curious. It's funny. I've noticed a lot of people who do Yolana work always mm-hmm. do weddings. Is it really is is it lucrative? You don't have to say the number, but is it that lucrative? Hey, I'll just say when I was at the peak of it, like I was net net income before taxes and everything, I was crossing over 100k a year. I'm in so, the wrong line of work. <laughs> so, but like I said, like unless you absolutely love weddings, and for me, because I had to deal with such tumultuous relationships, that weddings became this like 
kind of a living nightmare for me because I always felt like, man, I can't win with love, but I'm just watching all these people get married every weekend. Right. Uh, (laughs) On top of the physical demands of what a wedding can bring. So I will say, yes, if you love events and you get like a kick out of just being out in a crowd and, and doing all that, it's great because yeah, you can make really good money and you can have a lot of fun too. I mean, on top of it, look, you get a free dinner, Almost every time you're shooting a wedding, you get snacks, you get, sometimes they'll let you get, get alcohol for free. You know, it's all, it's all there. So, so yeah, if you enjoy that stuff and and aren't afraid of the, the backbreaking work that can be involved sometimes, sure. It's super lucrative, man. Like I won't, I won't be, I won't front about that at all. So You know what? This conversation's over. I, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna buy the camera and I'm gonna start the video. Let's do this. <laughs> and look, all it comes down to, too, like seriously, I I went through uh, Wedding Wire and the Knot, or like the two big companies. You get hooked up with like their marketing plans, at least when I did. Man, like again, I I didn't have to do much because like I had couples hitting me up almost every day, like leads and inquiries through Wedding Wire course you have to pay for that marketing service from them but you're making up for that like after like three or four weddings that you get booked like easily so you can make money quick and you don't need a whole heck of a lot and honestly like i've seen some pretty not to knock anybody but i've seen some pretty poor (laughs) photographers it's a pretty poor like as far as skills go videographers that still make just as much money as me uh and and they're not the most technically skilled people i've ever met in my life because you know why you know because it's the money i I, it sounds like i i've the reason i ask you is because every photographer every filmmaker i know all started if not still doing weddings and i'm always Mm -hmm. curious not so much because of weddings but the people because I know how people are when it comes to weddings. They're very controlling. They have high demands. You have to get everything perfect. Like you sitting there taking, I'm sure, thousands of shots. But for some reason, there's one shot that they, they want you to have that you didn't get. And they flip out over it. I've heard the wedding nightmare stories. So I wouldn't be surprised that a lot of people, you know, just do it for the money. Because it sounds like weddings could be very, very... Yeah, I'm gonna just yeah. I'm yeah, say no, yeah. They, they they can be. I mean, look, like you know, I won't go into the full details, but I mean, there's one time where I was, I don't want to be too dramatic with saying this, but I was honestly kind of sexually assaulted by a groom at a wedding one time who was drunk and was groping me. Uh, you know, so I've had some pretty crazy instances over the years. Wait, so wait, wait, the- a groom. Yeah, the groom. The groom got really drunk, and uh, it was actually when we were outside uh, doing sunset pictures with the couple, and he was just touching me in some inappropriate ways. And oh no! Yeah, it was it was really it was really uncomfortable. Uh, <sighs> I, not not to like that that's that's crazy, right? Yeah. But if she oh I don't they, know. I, I'm not saying nothing. I'm not saying nothing. we weren't like I'm not. I just know they were talking about how they were already in couples counseling and and think they were both drunk. It was it was a, a mess of a day, and and that actually only happened a few years ago. That was like twenty late twenty eighteen when that happened. Oh so, God! Yeah. I mean, the groom is touching men. Uh, that, 
Anyway, I not yeah, against the I'm not, but you know, on anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, so so that's what it is. I mean, you you can have those those nightmare weddings and stuff, and I've definitely experienced those. But you know, the the mass majority of them aren't usually that bad, and they're usually really nice people with a really nice crowd. It's just like I said, it just wasn't my bag. Um, and I can do it now because I work with a guy. So there's like a buffer. I just show up, film and go home. There's no more work that I have to put into it. Uh, but yeah, I just got burned out on, on the client management and all that because yeah, over the years I've, I've had to pay back half of what the couples have paid me sometimes because they just refused because like a shot might've gotten missed or they felt that something wasn't up to this bar that they had set in their head. So, you know, you, you do deal with that sometimes. So it's, you know, it's not all, not all sunshine and rainbows, but you know, if you're good at it and good at the client management and have a lot of drive and you want to just work specifically in like a film or a photo medium, it's not a bad route to take because yeah, you can make a lot of money and use that to then fund your sort of creative endeavors and everything. So there's something to it. You just, like I said, you have to kind of have some thick skin and, and be ready to deal with some crazy situations sometimes. Man, forget this podcast. I'm getting to weddings now. Forget that. <laughs> Do it, man. Just hit me up. I'll tell you what cameras you should get, and uh, uh, you'll make man. it happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. This this has been a good conversation, man. I'm glad you yeah, to have you on. Um, you know, to wrap this up, where people can find you, your, your, your website, and stuff like that. I was going to say the website is sort of the one-stop shop if people want to reach out and that's twotonyproductions.com and that's T-O-T-O-N-Y productions.com and they'll have links to the written stuff, the film work, the social media, like, and all that kind of stuff. So that's the spot. But thank you, Daniel, for coming on. Um, of course. We had a great conversation and like I always say, I hope a hand is a better hand. No, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's been an honor and all the same for you, man. All the, all the positivity out there, all the success uh, through the, the craziness of the world right now. Because, yeah, the more positivity, the better.